Live Mike. Dealer fans, it is time for another edition of the Live Mike. My name is Michael Beck, the host of the show, deputy editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, hanging out with you today just after Super Bowl 55. Yes, Tom Brady's won a seventh ring now. Absolutely unbelievable achievement. Officially passing the Steelers himself with seven rings. Oh, boy, there is a lot to unpack there, but I think the most important thing we as uh, Steeler fans and the Steelers themselves should do is take a look at how this Buccaneers team is constructed to really become a winner. Of course, a lot of those impact players that uh, were added to this team came... uh, via free agency after Tom Brady got to town, but that's not even what I'm really pointing at to the pure success of this Tampa Bay Buccaneers team. When you look at their roster, one of the things that immediately jumps out is how well they've drafted over the last number of years. They nailed a lot of first round picks, but on top of that, they nailed a ton of mid to late round picks and it really shows why they've been so successful when you just break it down especially when you look at their offensive line they find some players from a lot of uh, interesting sources uh four players from the football championship subdivision which is of course the formerly known as division one double a um below that they also had a uh, a Division Two starter. They also had a Division Three starter um, playing their college ball before making the jump to the pros. They were not afraid to go out and find guys with uh, playing against lesser competition, but when it comes to those FCS guys, especially along the offensive line, one of the things I like to look at when it comes to drafting those players especially when they have elite size you know those players have the high ceiling because they haven't been uh, introduced to the best coaching yet so when you compare them to prospects out of division one you already know what you're probably going to get out of those guys out of the first round sort of area especially when it comes to tackles guard centers you're kind of you kind of understand what you're going to get especially if they're coming from an Alabama LSU one of the big time schools that churns out tons of talent because they have NFL caliber coaching when you look at those guys you know they have a lower ceiling but also a much higher floor you you basically know what you're going to get right away but when it comes to drafting those uh division two guys those division three guys those lower level leagues especially if they're dominant they have a much higher ceiling because they have so much untapped potential but they also have a lower floor so there's a little bit more risk but the reward is in my opinion can also be higher than that of drafting someone from uh the fbs the ncaa's premier football division so when you look at the the way the bucks have kind of put this team together they really kind of just 
drafted the best offensive lineman consistently out of these lower leagues in the mid rounds, like guys like Alex Kappa and Ali Marpet, uh, just to name a couple. But they draft them in the mid to late rounds, and then they give them elite level coaching. It's that coaching that makes them NFL talent, but because their skills are so high from their lower level experience and just the sheer size of these guys, they're able to take an even bigger step. The Buccaneers, of course, they drafted Tristan Wirfs very early in the first round, this past draft out of the FBS, again, one of the top levels there is in college football. Uh, But... He was considered one of the best, if not the best, tackle in the draft class. You can't really, you, you can't go wrong with with getting someone that's considered the best. So if you're not getting the absolute premier guy, and you have guys to start above these mid round draft picks, and you can have some time to coach them up and not thrust them into their lineup right away, that seems to be a really good way to go about drafting players. And one of the things the Steelers could do, taking a look at this Buccaneers model is drafting someone like North Dakota State's is Dylan Radunas, who should be a second round, potentially third round. Of course, there's going to be some risers and fallers as, as we move closer to the draft. Uh, but as we move more towards that draft, someone like him has uh, got that potential to not have to play right away because the Steelers could legitimately start Chooks for and Zach Banner at either tackle spot. And... He could just get a year uh, working with Adrian Clem and uh, the rest of the offensive line, just getting comfortable, and then eventually become a starter uh, a few years down the road or potentially even 2022 after uh, 365 days of being an NFL player. It's that experience which I think the Steelers could really kind of lean on and something that they need to seriously think about doing when it comes to this year's drop because the Steelers right now are in this weird flux and a spot we haven't seen them in a very long time. Uh, They're a team that can retool and still have a shot at a Super Bowl. Yes, it's going to be very challenging, but mixed in with that, they're a team that could very easily make a couple wrong moves and be on the downward skid for a number of years. So what the Steelers need to do to remain competitive is find those guys that are going to pan out. They can't afford whiffs. So taking someone with sky-high potential and giving them the best coach possible is a really way, a really good way to go about doing that. And the Steelers, of course, are going to completely trust uh, what they did with their new coaching hires. Of course, they're going to know better than any of us. They're the guys going through the interview process. So we'll give those guys their due. So the Steelers, to me, especially when it comes to the offensive line, it might be a good way to go about it. If they want to draft, a, say, somewhere on defense or a skill position in the first round, then they could they could seriously look at drafting some offense linemen out of these lower uh, tier uh I get talent's probably the wrong word, but like the lower level leagues of college football, that might be a really smart way to build the future of this offensive line. And in a way, we've already kind of seen them do that, especially with guys like uh, Chooks Okorafor coming from uh, Western Michigan, uh, Zach Banner being a guy that is basically a reclamation project that bet on himself. And if he didn't tear his ACL, he would have gotten a substantial uh, pay raise in this uh, 2022 offseason. So the Steelers do have a history of doing this in the past. But this offseason is one where the Steelers have to fill their holes 
and a lot of their holes can be filled with cheaper free agents already on this team. And sure, that's not the ideal way to go about it, but for the Steelers, if they want to be a championship team, they got to develop from within and they can't just be, can't just settle on having all right players. If you understand what I'm saying, the Steelers' great offensive lines of uh, the early to mid uh, 2010s, I guess you could say, David DeCastro, uh, Alejandro Villanueva, Marquise Pouncey, uh, Marcus Gilbert, uh, Ramon Foster, these guys, they were in their prime of their careers and were either elite level prospects coming out or were coached up and put into the lineup. The Steelers have kind of just started drafting mid-level guys from schools that don't necessarily uh, have those extremely high potential sources and then have slowly just had to push them in the lineup. A lot of these guys have been all right, but when, especially when you're adding prospects like J.C. Hassenauer, who's come from an Alabama, that already had a low ceiling you know you're not finding your next all-time great center. And we know the Steelers have had a ton of success at that position. But if they're not getting the best, because Marquise Pouncey was the best center of his draft class. If they're not getting the best, find the guy with the highest potential and, and bet on being able to coach him up and put them in the lineup potentially a year from now. And that's something the Steelers team really needs to consider doing as we move on into uh, the next couple years here. Moving on, like taking more kind of stock out of what Tampa Bay was able to do to win a championship, even before uh, adding the likes of Tom Brady and trading for Gronk, those those were the moves that kind of just pushed them over the line. But they built a great team, and then they just added that final piece or, or two, and that's kind of what pushed them over the top. We saw what they were able to do in the draft. Uh, some of these players that really, when you look at their last four years of drafting, I think only three players are still not no longer on the team. They've nailed a lot or almost every single one of their picks for a number of years now. Think of what the Steelers were able to do in 2017 and then make that stretch that out four years and then when you look at the years before that, they pretty much nailed every single first-round pick except for Jameis Winston, who was the consensus first overall, overall pick in that draft. And when you're drafting that spot, you're basically stuck into taking that player no matter what. Especially in that draft class, Jameis Winston, there would have been riots if they didn't take him first overall, especially with him playing at Florida State. So it, sometimes... I. I just to go on a slight tangent, there's a bit of a curse of t- having the first overall pick because you basically have to take the guy that's seen as the top prospect. If not, <laughs> you're going to hear about it for years to come and you better be right. So that's kind of the conundrum the Jacksonville Jaguars will face when they draft Trevor Lawrence. If he's bad, the, the finger still gets pointed at the GM, but they don't really have any other option. But when it comes to the Buccaneers and their history of drafting, They've done an amazing job from finding guys like Scotty Miller in the sixth round and just continuously finding guys that can plug into the lineup. That's what the Steelers need to do. There's been a number of consecutive draft classes from the Steelers where picks five through seven don't make the team. And that really isn't good enough, especially in today's NFL 
and an NFL that's going to see a lowered salary cap. You need production up and down through your entire draft class. So when it comes to Steelers moving forward, they got to they got to nail everything. They've been really good in the middle rounds as of late. They've been they've been pretty good in the first round, but they need to start hitting those fifth, sixth, seventh round picks. I know it's one of the bigger crap shoots, I guess you can say, in sports is nailing those those late round draft picks. But in today's NFL, that's what it takes to build a winner because all these players want massive extensions once their deals are up. And who are you going to replace those guys with when, say, you have eight new holes coming every single year and you only have seven draft picks? Well, if you're out of money like the Steelers are, you need to get productivity out of every single player you draft. And that's what the Steelers are going to have to focus on big time in 2021 is nailing every single one of these upcoming draft picks. Uh, So that's going to do it for the first half of the live mic. Just sit tight. We're going to jump into a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about how the Bucs were able to build this defense, which really was the catalyst to them winning a championship and what the Steelers needed to do to kind of follow that model. So hang tight. We'll be right back with more live mic action. We are back with the second half of the live mic. Once again, my name is Michael Beck. And the second part of the show, I really want to focus on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense and what pushed them over the top and really led them to the Super Bowl championship, playing this outstanding style of defense. And we already know the Pittsburgh Steelers side of things. They have one of the best defenses in football. But one of the biggest issues the Steelers face is they have some holes still within that defense. Sure, there's going to be some guys getting healthy and returning to the lineup as we kind of move forward here in in the coming weeks and guys kind of start to get healthy. Uh, we know Bud Dupree's likely going to move on. But then when you continue to look at it, they got one young Mr. Alex Highsmith who has sky-high potential and could, could possibly be better than Bud Dupree as they kind of move forward into the development of this team and as he takes on more and more snaps. But relating this back to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, one of the things you'll quickly see when you look at their defense, they're elite at every spot. They don't have the holes. Sure, you could say their corners are a little bit weaker than the rest of this team, but when you look at their pass rushers, their defensive tackles, their linebackers, their safeties, there's no flaw. There's not one guy that they they point out at and they say, okay, attack that guy all game long like teams will do against, say, Vince Williams in coverage or Terrell Edmonds in certain situations and when they see Justin Lane out on the field and start targeting him. When you look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers... They're absolutely loaded. One of the things the Steelers need to consider doing, whether or not us fans like it, is adding more pieces to this defense in the draft, especially early in the draft, because one of the catalysts for this Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense is their two middle linebackers, Levante David, one of the most underrated players in league history, and Devin White, who 
honestly, right now is probably the best middle linebacker in football. The Steelers have one of those great linebackers already in Devin Bush, but Vince Williams doesn't have a complete game right now or any of those backups, including Robert Spillane or even Avery Williamson, if the Steelers brought him back in. They don't have a complete enough game to rely on those middle linebackers to to play in the slot against slot receivers, which the Steelers love to do, and to blitz and to step up in run support, etc. The Steelers need their linebackers to be able to do everything, and right now they got one guy that can do that, and then then they got a bunch of guys that can do one one or maybe two things really well, which isn't good enough because when the Steelers got guys that can blitz really well in the game then all of a sudden there's quick passes to those to those spots when they got guys that are good in coverage then all of a sudden they're going to get ran at at those guys it's it's one of those damned if you do damned if you don't things when you have guys that don't have a complete rounded out game so what the Steelers, in my opinion, they should strongly consider doing, and I know a lot of people might roll their eyes when they hear this, but I've written stories on in the past, but Zach Collins out of Tulsa, that might be the perfect first-round draft pick for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And hear me out. The guy is 6'4", 260 pounds, and he moves like a defensive back. He has got speed to burn. He is a power hitter. He is great. In coverage, and on top of all that, he is incredibly clutch. When you look back at this past what 2020 NCAA season, he had a pick six in double overtime, winning the game for Tulsa. He had an interception on uh, one of the, uh, in a different game to end the opposition's drive and win the game for Tulsa. He forced safeties. He forced fumbles. He was making tackles in the backfield. He was covering deep slants. Post, corners, you name it. He could do anything. And then he could step up and play the edge. He can rush the passer. And all of a sudden, when you look at that skill set, to me, that just starts screaming. The Steelers could absolutely use a guy like that. Bush and William, Bush and Collins in the middle would be one of the more dominant duos of all linebackers in the league and honestly would compare a lot to what Tampa Bay is doing right now. And on top of that, with his skill set, Collins could slot in and bump down in third and long situations and just be a pure pass rusher. He could be a dog blitzer, but... In those, pa- in those pure passing situations, the Steelers could put someone on the field that's more, even better in coverage. Or if it's a, a pure blitzing scenario, they could just get creative with their guys. It's one of those things where when you look at it, if the Steelers brought in a guy like that, all of a sudden their, their front seven, which is already strength, is completely solidified and there are no holes and nothing another team can exploit. All of a sudden they, they got to look at one certain slot and then uh, just a good scheme can hide that one flaw. Another thing, going back to the Buccaneers that they're really good at, is recognizing when someone isn't quite good enough and moving on from them quickly. Something the Steelers could have done is replace Terrell Edmonds this past offseason, and they could have done it if they if they moved up just a little bit in this past draft with their second-round pick and picked up Antoine Winfield Jr., who was, other than Chase Young, was the best defensive rookie in football this year. He was an outstanding safety and slotted in right away. And he paired nicely with Jordan Whitehead. Once again, just the credit is due to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers' ability to draft guys. Just looking at these defensive players that they're able to bring in the last number of years, it is crazy, but it totally makes sense how they developed in a Super Bowl team so quickly, even 
obviously Tom Brady's the catalyst that pushed them over the top, but really if they found any quarterback, <laughs> they they probably would have been in the situation they were playing in on Sunday. Like, you just look at the last c- couple drafts. Antoine Winfield Jr. obviously is one of the highlights. Devin Bush, or Devin White, excuse me. Uh, just continuing down the list, Sean Murphy Bunting at corner. Vita Vea. Jordan Whitehead, the list just goes on and on and on defensively. And then on offense, it's the same thing. They just continually hit on these guys. And sure, they moved out on on, on some of these players, like Quan Alexander getting traded over to uh, San Francisco. He, He saw or he was a free agent, excuse me, he saw some success over there, but they were just able to replace him immediately, and they weren't afraid to not force pay guys and just draft really well and trust their own process. They picked up free agents that had one extremely good skill set, made them a backup, and then just used them in those situations that they were good at and not forcibly having guys on the field in situations where they were not going to succeed. And that's another thing the Steelers team is going to need to do, especially when they look for money and start having to cut some of these players. They're going to have to find some guys that are well-rounded, and then they're going to have to find more guys that can be those special teamers that could potentially just be a really good blitzer that they can put on the field in third and long or someone that's extraordinary extraordinary in coverage and you, you can put them out there in certain situations. It, it's it's one of the things the Steelers really need to focus on this offseason is just being able to round out their roster and pray to God that they're going to be a healthy team. So for this Steelers team as a whole... Moving into the future and looking at what the Buccaneers were able to do, one of the tough things for me and something that I'm kind of against is building the team and then finding a quarterback. I know a lot of people will say that's that's the way to do it. You'll find a lot of guys, even on our website, that will tell you that's exactly the way to do it. And that is what the Steelers did with Ben Roethlisberger, but to me... If you don't have a quarterback on your roster, especially in today's NFL, I don't think a team can be competitive in a Super Bowl sense. The teams that make it there always have great quarterback play. Um, Even when you look at the Philadelphia Eagles and when Nick Foles led them there, remember Carson Wentz was at an MVP level. The Eagles were one of the most loaded deep teams in all of football, and Nick Foles got red hot. It's not like he was had bad quarterback play, but every team that's expected Nick Foles to be red hot for 16 regular season games plus three or four postseason games, he's not able to do that. So that's one of the reasons why you can't rely on subpar quarterback play because then you're just relying on someone getting streaky at the perfect time, which when you look at the history of the NFL, it rarely happens. Teams with franchise quarterbacks win the Super Bowl. That's kind of the name of the game in this NFL. So, to me, the Steelers in the next couple years really need to figure out that quarterback position. And say the the Steelers struggle with Ben Roethlisberger at quarterback. If they don't draft anyone, then I guess Ben's just kind of got to go down with the sinking ship and hopefully not sours himself to Steeler fans if it gets really bad. But this defense, I think, is too good for it to get really bad. But the Steelers, in general, if they don't draft a quarterback this year, you'll 
probably see it next year, or you'll see potentially them get in, involved in that quarterback carousel game, especially when they have some of these young guys on defense that you want to keep happy. Because if the Steelers start to lose, you don't want to do to T.J. Watt what the Texans did to J.J. Watt, waste his career, then all of a sudden he's demanding a trade. And then once someone demands a trade, their value's gone, and you're forced to cut him and get nothing back. So for the Steelers to already have some of these pieces that – championship teams are built upon they got to recognize that they got to recognize where they are as a team and the Steelers model isn't to rebuild but to retool and compete for championships and the only way to do that is to find a quarterback so if it's not drafting a guy this year maybe it's a free agent like a Dak Prescott or a trade I don't know, someone on the trade market next year potentially Matt Ryan I know these aren't names that are jumping off the page but they are what's kind of going to be the best that's available unless more teams kind of fall apart like the Texans did. So all in all, the Steelers can use a lot from that Tampa Bay model. Just be, don't be afraid to replace guys. Don't be afraid to make a defense even better than what it was. And the Buccaneers could have easily said, oh, we, we already have great defense. We don't need to draft a guy like Antoine Winfield Jr., but they do. And it's one of those moves that push them over the top because of how good he was. The Steelers need to not be afraid of the big-time move when it comes to their defense and continue to add to it because they are so close. If the Steelers are, are able to hold teams to 14 points a game, they should be winning a lot of games regardless of who they're bringing in on, on offense. So one of the things the Steelers should considerably uh, should look at doing as they kind of move forward into this offseason, obviously, is focus on building that defense Put some assets into the offensive line and figure out the future of this quarterback position. The skill positions will figure themselves out, but once the Steelers start cutting players, they need to start making plans to find well-rounded guys to replace them, especially on the defensive side of the football. When you don't have any weaknesses on the defensive side, you will be a competitor no matter what. So... With all that being said, thank you for tuning in live, Mike. Once again, my name is Michael Beck, Deputy Editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Make sure you're clicking over to said website, checking out some great content. We got tons of off-season stuff coming your way. It's the thick of the off-season. If it hasn't happened yet, Ben Roethlisberger extension is expected to come in the coming days. And if the two sides don't agree, who knows? Ben could even retire. This is going to be a huge week for the future of the Pittsburgh Steelers. So make sure you're tuning in. Uh, and you're listening to our, the entire family podcast from Behind the Steel Curtain because we're going to bring you exclusive and brand new content each and every day. There's a lot of exciting stuff coming, especially from the Pittsburgh Steelers. So uh, excited to see you guys uh, here next week. And go Steelers. And we'll talk to you guys soon. Peace.